Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. We're going to finish this message uh, that's entitled, Called to Trust. And uh, we started at the end of uh, Isaiah chapter 8 and went through uh, the first part of Isaiah chapter 9. And I got to share my first three points. Usually, um, if you've been with us for a while here at CFA, you know I usually have three points. Um, If it's a real crazy Sunday, uh, I'll have four. Um, I don't know what happened last week. The Lord gave me six. Um, I still just preach three. Um, And I'm going to just preach three today, but that, that's how the Lord gave it to me, so uh, we got to break it into two parts, but I, I would have finished last week, but the Lord said stop, and I wanted to be obedient, but I, I, want to, uh, I want to finish this word with us today because I believe it is so critically important to our lives as believers, as the church, that our trust is, is firmly planted in the Lord, uh, that our trust is firmly planted in Jesus, especially in a time where we struggle uh, to put our trust uh, and, and to know when we can place our trust in certain things, in people, in certain situations, in certain circumstances. But the one thing that we can always do is trust in the Lord uh, because His Word never fails. He never fails. He's faithful to His Word. He's faithful to His promise. So Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 through 22, and then chapter 9, verses 1 through 7 says this, The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured. Preserve the teaching of God. Entrust his instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. Tell your neighbor, put your hope in Jesus. I and the children the Lord has given me serve as signs and warnings to Israel from the Lord of heaven's armies who dwells in his temple on Mount Zion. Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict His word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry, and because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair." They will be thrown out into the darkness. So I want to pause here for just a moment because this is basically through the text as we worked through this text last week. This is the part where we got to that we stopped. And, and I, want to, I just want to do a real quick recap for anybody that wasn't here or you, know, you went through an ice storm this last week and don't remember last week. So there were, three, there were three things that we talked about in the very beginning of this. The first was from verse number 11 of chapter 8. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. So the first point was, number one, stop thinking like everyone else. Stop thinking like everyone else. Tell your neighbor, change your thinking. The biggest battle we will face in believing and trusting and following Jesus is in our mind. 
The enemy will fight us for this. Now, if you're taking notes with us this morning, this is available in the CFA app. You can pull it up in the notes. It'll be on the main page, or you can go to more and select Sundays and hit sermon notes, and it's there as well. But we have to change the way that we think. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How many of you know that God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life? Amen? God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for for your life. He has a good, pleasing, and perfect plan, a desire that He has for you and I. Jesus tells us that. He talks about the good gifts that God wants to give to His children. He talks about how you being evil, us being evil, know how to give good gifts. How much more does your Father in heaven who loves, who's perfect, who's holy, how much more does He want to give? So the idea, the mindset that because of my sin, because of my failures, because of my past, God doesn't love me, God's working against me, is a lie from the enemy. Tell your neighbor, the devil's a liar. Yeah, that's right. Preach it with me. Tell him, the devil's a liar. The devil will lie, your mind will lie to you to try to do anything that it can to keep you and I from pursuing the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. To do anything that it possibly can to keep us from having our focus our attention, our desire, our drive placed on the Lord. So we have, to, we have to change. We have to stop thinking like everyone else. We have to stop calling everything a conspiracy. Hmm. We have to stop living in dread of what frightens everyone else. I don't know if y'all heard about this weather balloon this last week. Somebody asked me, they said, what do you think about it? I said, I don't care. They said, well, Connor? And I said, I don't. I don't care. Why? Because the Word of God tells me, what do I have to be afraid of, what everyone else has to be afraid of? I can't tell you if China was spying on us or not. And at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever because He is the Word He was in the beginning and He will be forever. So I can live in fear and I can live in worry and I can live in dread of what's to come and I can get wrapped up in the conspiracies that everybody else wants to get wrapped up in or I can say, Lord, you know what's going on and I'm placing this in your hands and God, you just expose whatever's happening, whatever's taking place that's not right, that's out of alignment. And if there is anything to it, if there is anything there, then Lord, I'm trusting you because you're the one who's on the throne. You're the one who's in control. You're the one who has the final say. I don't have time to worry about it. Amen? And that applies to 15 million other things that the world wants to get wrapped up in. Why? Because it takes over what we are consumed with and what we think about. Because it takes us off of what God has called us to as His people and as His church and will cause us to miss moments and opportunities that we have to be in perfect pursuit of what God has called us to as the church. You say, well, pastor, that's just silly. That's, this is just one of those things that affects, every, you know, affects the nation, affects the world. Yeah, but let's think about it in the personal context of our lives and the things that we go through and the things that we struggle with. When we hear a bad report from the doctor, when we have a bad report from the bank, when we have a 
a bad, a bad altercation or situation in our marriage or in our, in our children, with our children and the relationships that we have with them. What happens if we're not careful, our mind will be consumed with, with the same things that the rest of the world is consumed with instead of remembering that we are children of God and God's called us to respond differently than the rest of the world. So instead of fear being the factor that drives my response to the situation that's there, it should be faith, and that faith should be what's driving me to speak the truth and the power of the Word of God to declare His Word, to declare His purposes, declare His promises, to see the fulfillment of what He's established. If I don't stop thinking like everyone else, I'm going to keep living like everyone else, and I'm going to continue to rob myself of the life, of the purpose, of the truth, of the power of what God has intended. I'm going to miss out on the good, pleasing, perfect will that God has for me because my mind is still fixed on the things of this world and the things of the past. Tell your neighbor, stop thinking like everyone else. Secondly, we talked about how God has called us, how God has called us to wait for him. Wait for the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through uh, through 31 says, O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Something happens in our lives when we begin to wait for the Lord. Verse number 17, he says, I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. When my hope is in Jesus, when my trust is in the Lord, when my, my, when my attention and my focus is no longer on the patterns and no longer on the systems and no longer on the things of this world, but on what the Word of God says, on the revelation and the truth and the insight of what the Holy Spirit's given me, there's a shift that begins to happen because I no longer feel the pressure and the fear and the worry and the stress that I would have before, but now as a child of God, now with a mind that's being transformed, now with a life that's being renewed, my trust is in the Lord and I'm waiting on God. So where everyone else is tired and weary, where everyone else is what it says just a few verses down, where everyone else is weary and hungry, people going from one place to another, confused and frustrated and overwhelmed, I'm no longer in that place because my trust is in the Lord. My hope is in Jesus. I'm hoping in Him. I'm trusting in Him. I'm waiting on God because His timing is perfect. Because His will is perfect. Because His plans are good. So I'm trusting in the Lord and I'm waiting on Him. And because I've put my trust and because I've put my hope in the Lord, I have a peace, I have a rest, I have a strength that only comes from Him. And then thirdly, we have to seek God alone. From verse number, verse number 19, it says, but shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the, leave, should the living seek guidance from the dead? There's no other source for instruction, no other source for direction, no other source for true revelation as to what's happening in the world than from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the beautiful thing is, is that because Jesus came, because he sent the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the one who will guide us into all truth. Because Jesus has come, God has positioned us to experience the revelation that he has for us today. Tell your neighbor, you don't have to live in the dark. 
<laughs> Some of you are like, I'm living in the dark right now. <laughs> but we don't have to stay there. The beautiful, thing about the, the beautiful thing about the Word of God, the beautiful thing about Jesus in our life, is that even when we don't know, going back to what I was talking about just a minute ago with this whole thing that everyone's been talking about on Facebook, that the news has been talking about on repeat because they don't have anything else to talk about. Some of us need to turn the news off. Take it in small doses and then take it to the throne room of heaven and let the Holy Spirit give you revelation on what's there. Because if not, you're going to get your flesh all riled up and you're going to get upset. And here's the deal. You can go from a righteous anger to an unrighteous anger real quick. Real quick. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit to help you balance that out, you're going to rob yourself of the peace that God has called you to. As, as the children of God, God's not called us to live in a constant state of anger. If we're in a constant state of anger and a constant state of frustration all the time, whether it's because of what's on the news or because of what's going on in our home and in our personal lives, whatever that is, we need to not ignore those feelings, but take those to the throne room of heaven in the secret place with God and ask the Lord, God, why do I feel this way? Lord, show me why I feel this way. Lord, is there something that I need to do differently? Is there something that I need to repent of? Is there something that I need to pray for? Is there something that I need to let go of? Because it's in that moment that God brings the revelation that he has for us. See, he called us out of darkness into light. God never called for us to live in the dark. I, I don't know about you, but I, 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 don't, I don't like being in the dark. I hate it. I hate being in the dark. I'm not scared of the dark, but I don't like the dark. Only one time I was scared of the dark, and that was on Hopeville Road between Bearden and Hopeville. And I thought there was a murderer and a bear. That was the only time. And I did, I practiced what I preached. I prayed in the spirit and ran with a flathead screwdriver. Those were the weapons that I had. The sword of the spirit was a little too invisible for me that night, so I had a flathead screwdriver with me, and I was praying in the spirit. So... Praise the Lord. And if you don't know that whole story, I'll tell it to you after church. I don't have time this morning, but it's quite hilarious. And the Lord rescued me and delivered me. And then I almost got shot and I survived that. And anyways, it's great. You'll, you'll, you'll really enjoy it. But so, so there's only one time. The dark, the dark is, is, is what the rest of the world lives in. The dark lives in what is blinded by and the lack of revelation. Because the truth is, is that when we see the truth of who Christ is, when we see the truth of what God's Word says, when we experience the revelation that God has for us, it illuminates, it breaks the power of darkness, and we're able to see what heaven sees. See, God is not moved and God is not surprised by the same things that we are surprised by or the same things that we are moved by because God sees everything because He is light. If, if He's there, if He's present, He sees it all because of the light that He has for us. So what God is doing in this process and this journey and this transformation that we have in our relationship with God is that He's transforming us so that we begin to see... So that we... There, oh, there it is. My mic decided it was done. So that we begin to see like he sees. So that we begin to experience the revelation and the insight that he has for us. So when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, when we're seeking God, when we're pursuing God first, when we're spending time with him and, and making that our top priority, when we're pursuing the things that he's called us to and being obedient to respond to what he is 
placed in our hearts to do, what he's shown us in his word is true, what he's called us to do and how he's called us to pursue. When we're doing those things, we position ourselves to reap the blessings and the benefits that God has for us because we're seeing what heaven has opened our eyes to, what heaven has revealed to us. It's why as a sinner, we don't know that we're living in sin until the Holy Spirit comes. Why? Because we were in the dark. How do we know that it's sin? Because the light of heaven begins to show and begins to reveal the, the, the mess that's there. Have you ever gone to the movies and you've been in the movie theater and you've, you've eaten a messy snack and it's pitch black in there and you come out of the movies and it's daylight and you walk outside and you look like you've been to war? Had no idea, you know, it was... It was, it was fine when you were in the movies. Why? Because it was dark. Nobody else could see. You know, it's fine. It's no big deal. You go outside and it's light or you go out into the, to the main part of the, the movie theater and all the lights are on and you're like, wow, I'm a mess. Like, I didn't even realize. Well, it's the, same in our, it's the same in our relationship with the Lord. The closer we get to the light, the more the Lord exposes the things of this world that God never intended for us to have. God never intended us to be covered with the filth, with the mess of this world. And so he gives us the tools, his word, his love, the salvation, the grace, the mercy, the goodness of God to bring about the things that we need to clean that mess, to walk in the wholeness and the fullness and the restoration of what God has established for us. So this is the, this is the first part of, of the message from last week and, and, and being called to trust the Lord. Uh, Stop stopping our, our thinking like everyone else, waiting for the Lord, seeking God alone. And then in Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, it, it begins this revelation of, of what happens when, when we trust the Lord. And understanding that we're called to trust Him and then trusting the Lord. The last couple of verses of chapter 8 says, Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict His word are completely in the dark. When we don't respond in obedience to what the Word of God says, when the Holy Spirit makes something clear to us that we're supposed to do, that we're supposed to change, that God's calling us to do, and we don't do that, we're left completely in the dark. This is the reason why the world reacts and the way the world responds to things that are happening in our world and in our society today. People are fumbling through the dark trying to make sense of everything because they can't see, because they don't have the revelation that God has for them. And it's the same for us as believers. If we're not responding in obedience to what God has said, if we're not looking to God's instructions and His teachings, and we contradict His Word and do something opposite, we're left completely in the dark. God hasn't called us to live that way. That People that contradict the Word of God go from one place to another weary and hungry. Weary and hungry. Tired and hungry. You ever been tired and hungry? You ever been with somebody that's tired and hungry? Jesus. <laughs> Makes you want to keep a Snickers somewhere for just, just those emergencies, right? You know, you've seen, you've seen the Snickers commercials. You're not you when you're hungry. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Tired and hungry. The problem is, is that just like in the natural, we have moments where we're weary, where we're tired and we're hungry. We also spiritually have moments where we're tired and we're hungry because the spirit man has to be fed as well. You know, the word says, God says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why? Because if we don't have the, the bread of life, the living word of God that's being filled into our, into our souls, then we're missing a key part of what we're starving our spirit man. We're starving our relationship with God. We're starving ourselves of the revelation that God has for us. That's why the journey is so important. That's why I've asked 
us as a church to go on this journey together. And if you get behind, I tell you, don't worry about trying to catch up because if you get too, you get too concerned with that, if you get too legalistic with it, then you're going to give up and you're going to stop. It, that, that would be like me missing breakfast and because I miss breakfast saying, well, I can't eat again until I catch up from breakfast. And then if I miss lunch, say, well, I got to catch up breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, here's the problem. If I try to eat all three of those meals at the same time, one, I'm not going to get the nutrients that I need in the first place. Two, I'm probably going to do myself more harm than I am good because I'm not actually going to get to absorb what was there. And three, I'm probably going to quit when I probably should have stayed. You see what I'm saying? So what happens in the Word, when it comes to the Word of God, we've got to just, we've got to just regularly stay engaged. So if you got behind on the journey and you've quit, this is your reminder from your pastor to pick up today. All right? So get today's readings, read the Word, get the bread of life that you need, because if not, you are starving yourself spiritually. I'm starving myself spiritually when I'm not in the Word of God, because it is the bread of life. So the spirit man experiences the same thing that our natural body has when we're not getting the rest and we're not getting the food that we need. And it's the same in, in that. If we are not resting and we are not getting the Word of God in our lives, this is why the Sabbath is so important. Tell your neighbor, take a day off. I can't, Pastor. You don't understand. I know. It's hard. I didn't say it. The Lord did. And you know what happens if you don't do what the Word says? You find yourself stumbling in the dark. Why? Because you're tired and you're, you're tired and you're hungry. The Word of God brings nutrients. The Word of God brings life. The Word of God brings revelation. When you and I take a day of the week... It doesn't have to be a set day. It doesn't have to be Sunday. It doesn't have to be Saturday. When you and I take a day and we rest from our labor, we rest from our work, and we spend quality time with the Lord, quality time in His presence, what happens is God does something supernatural in our lives. God refreshes. God restores. God renews. The Word of God is there. The Lord made this part of the Ten Commandments because of the importance of what we have to have in rest. In fact, if you go into the Old Testament, there were certain laws that God had put in place about giving the land rest, about making sure that there was time for the land to rest so that it would receive the nutrients that it needed. All of those things are so critical. All of those things are so important because the Word of God brings revelation and it brings truth. The Holy Spirit brings us to a place of receiving the nourishment that we need, the rest that we need, so that we can continue to do the things that God has called us to. The rest of the world doesn't have time to take a day off. Our world, our society, the busy you are, the better your life is, right? What's the one thing that we say when we ask each other how we're doing? How are you? Doing good. Busy. Busy. I'm good, but I'm busy. Whew, I'm busy, right? Isn't that what you say? You tell them, I'm busy. It's been busy, but it's been good. Why? Because the rest of the world, the busier you are, the more successful you must be. The busier you are must mean, it must mean that you're not lazy. The busier that you are must mean that, that you're keeping up with the rest of the world. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I've come to the realization that the world is a mess. 
And I don't want to do it the way the rest of the world does it. I want to do it the way that God has intended for me to do it. I want to do it His way. That day of rest is a time to spend not only quality time with the Lord, but it's a time to also enjoy some of the passions, some of the, some of the things, some of the hobbies, some of the things that God has given you to do that bring re- revitalization, that bring refreshment to your life, that bring refreshment to your mind, that give you the reset that you need so when you step back into the next six days of work, you have everything that you need to be able to not only do those things, but to do them well. Because the Word calls us to do everything as unto the Lord. And if we're tired and we're, we're exhausted and we don't have the strength and the ability to be able to do those things, then we've got to figure out where am I not, what's out of balance, what's out of whack. So we go to the Holy Spirit, we go to the presence of God, and we let the Holy Spirit begin speaking to our hearts. What am I doing? Now, I'm sharing this word. This is not entirely part of this message, but it is to a degree because when you talk about starting to take a Sabbath and you talk about doing that, it's a matter of trust. It's the same with tithing. Why do we give 10% of our income to the Lord first? Why is that so important? Because I'm doing what the Word of God has instructed me to do. And there's blessings and there's benefits and there's promises that are associated to applying that Word, that revelation, that instruction from the Lord in my life. And it's not because of, it's not because of anything other than experiencing what His good, pleasing, perfect will for me is. So when I begin to do that, when I tithe, it's usually a step of faith. How many of you remember the first time you started tithing? <laughs> And you started tithing 10% of your income. Uh, if you were like me, you looked at it and said, that's not in the budget. Amen? It's not in the budget. I can't. I can't. I can't do 10%. It's not possible. But you know, when you take that step of faith because you trust the Lord and you trust His Word, isn't it amazing what God does? Somehow, some way, you end up having either just enough or more than what you thought you would have ended up with at the end of it. So it's the same way when it comes to taking a Sabbath, when it comes to taking a day where you rest and you do things that, that, that give time to the Lord first and foremost, but then also things that, that bring refreshing into your life, into your family, with your friends, and do those things. Taking that Sabbath is a step of faith as well. I remember the Lord really started working on this with me um, several years ago, and I've, I've done everything that I possibly can to honor what his word has said in that revelation in my life. But I was, at a, I was at a time, I was at a point where I was convinced that I couldn't Sabbath, that it wasn't possible to do that. And the Lord said, well, I put it in my word, so it is possible. <laughs> and so I began to implement that. And it was amazing the difference that that made in my life the other six days of the week. And it's amazing what we're able to be able to do productively in the amount of time. So when we talk about trust in the Lord, for someone that's in here, you needed to hear that this morning. The Lord wants to remind you, take a day off. Find a day, carve out time, start off trusting Him, take a step of faith, and watch what the Lord does. When we, when we, tithe, when we tithe off of our finances, when we honor what the Word of the Lord says in, in our lives by giving Him that day, about taking that time to rest, it's amazing what happens uh, what God does and how God works and how God moves uh, in our life. Uh, listen, He created the whole world in a matter of, of just six days. So if He can do that, then I think He can take care of everything else that we need to get done. Amen?
So he goes on and, and he says, And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth. But wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Uh, but that's not the end of the story. Chapter 9, verse number 1 says, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and of Tali will be humble, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Verse number 2 says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel... And its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. So there's, there's a couple things that happen when we put our trust in the Lord. When we, when we stop thinking like the rest of the world, when we wait on God, when we seek God alone, the first, the first thing, or if you're following along with me in your points, the fourth point of this message is this. Um, our God renews our strength. Our God renews our strength. So what happens, what happens in our life is we begin to experience the shift that begins to take place because the darkness that has prevailed, the darkness that has been present, is suddenly met with the light of heaven. And there's a, there's a rebirth that begins to take place. I love this Psalm chapter 30, verse number 5, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. There are, there, are, there are seasons, there are times, there are moments where we find ourselves living in the darkness away from the Lord, but when the salvation of heaven comes, there's a breakthrough that begins to happen in our lives where God begins to work, where God begins to move. When our trust is in the Lord, God renews our strength. God renews our strength. We talked about it, I read it just just now out of Isaiah chapter 40. But when our hope is in the Lord and our trust is in the Lord, even when it doesn't make sense, I should say especially when it doesn't make sense, there is a strength that is renewed within our lives that is not from our own physical means or ability, but from the revelation, from the insight, from the ability of the Lord, because there are things that we will face even after having said yes to Jesus and walking in relationship and fellowship with Him that it can only be the strength of God that carries us through. And if we trust in the Lord and we're waiting on God and we're seeking Him alone and we're not thinking like the rest of the world, but we're thinking based on the new pattern, the new way that He's called us to, and the way in His Word that He reveals to us, the things that He shows us from the Holy Spirit, then it's the strength that God renews within us that gives us the resolve to persevere. Perseverance is essential in our pursuit of who God is and what He said, because only through His presence, only through the power of His of His Word and through this Holy Spirit, will we have the strength to be able to continue on, to not become tired and weary and 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 hungry, but to be full, to be satisfied, to be strengthened, to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. So God renews our strength. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It's why Paul says when we go through some of the most difficult times of our life that we, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Why? Because we have a hope and we have a promise. It doesn't mean that we don't grieve. It doesn't mean that we don't experience 
experience the pain or the feelings or the trauma of the things that we've been through, that we've walked through, but it's that we don't have the same response. Our mind, our body, our reaction to those things don't react and respond the, the rest of the way the world does because the strength that, that we have in those seasons and in those moments comes from the Lord. He carries us through those seasons. He carries us through those storms. We're not on the boat of life going through the storms, the waves that are crashing, the storms that are raging on our own. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is with us. He sent his Holy Spirit, the advocate, to come. So when we begin to respond the way that the word calls us to, when we begin to cry out to the Lord and we begin to press into him, we understand weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Listen, I want to say this. Joy does not mean that because I have joy in my life, I, don't un- I, I, I forget about the pain. I forget about the trial. I forget about all of the, those things. No, it's that the joy that I have comes from the Lord. It comes from the fact that He is my salvation, that He is my reward, that He is my promise, that He is my anchor, that He is present with me in every situation, every circumstance. I have this joy from the Lord, and because I have His joy, I have this strength. Isn't that what Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10 talks about? Go for the joy of the Lord is your strength, because what happens when I have joy is it changes how I respond, it changes how I react in the seasons and the situations that I face in life. The joy that I have comes from the promise, comes from the hope, comes from the future that I have. So yes, there's a storm, there's a trial, there's a tribulation, there's a difficulty that's there, but weeping only lasts for the night. Joy is coming in the morning because morning is coming because morning is coming. Here's the deal. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever you're up against in life right now, as believers, you and I have a promise. You and I have a hope. You and I have a future that can never perish, spoil, or fade. I'm glad you're excited about it. Amen? You and I have a, we have a hope, we have a future that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And there is nothing in or out of this world that can separate us from that promise. There's nothing that can separate us from that future. There's nothing that can separate us from that hope. Even death isn't powerful enough to separate us from what God has said. Come on, somebody. So I've got a reason to rejoice. I, I think about it like this in Philippians chapter 4. I, I pulled these, these verses as I, was, as I was thinking about this message this week and, and, the, and the powerful uh, truth and the word that this promise brings. Philippians 4, 4 through 9 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considered in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. The one thing the world struggles with is peace. Because peace cannot be bought, it cannot be produced, it cannot be manufactured, it can only be found in and given by God. So when we begin walking in the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God, we have 
peace. When we pray, when we rejoice, when we live in the joy and the purpose of what God has established for our life, when we're intentional with our effort, with our time, when our mind is not thinking on the same patterns as the world's, but our mind is thinking about the things of God, what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. What happens in that moment is there's a shift that goes from how the rest of the world views the things that we're facing or how the rest of the world would view my situation or my circumstance to what God's says, and because I see it God's way, there's a shift in how I'm responding and how I'm expecting and how I'm rejoicing because my rejoicing is not because of my circumstance or because my trial or because my storm. It's because my God is in control and he has the final say over my situation, over my circumstance, over my storm. And so I rest in his truth. I rest in his word. I rest in his promise. My mind says, my flesh says, what I see in front of me is this, this, and this. It's horrible. It's bad. It's terrible. It's the end. There's no way out. But my spirit man says inside of me that the truth is that God's word says that this is not the end, that this is just the beginning, that God is still working, that God is still moving, that God is still fulfilling his word and his promises. So while in the world's mind and in everyone else's mind, it may be the end, or this may be the worst, or this may be impossible, I serve a God who makes the impossible possible. I serve a God who made a highway out of a sea. I serve a God who made the most powerful man humble himself and let his people go. I serve a God who sent manna in the middle of the desert. I serve a God who declared his promise to his people and then fulfilled it. I serve a God who said he would redeem the world of their sins and that he would deform his family, and he did. I serve a God who is still working miracles, who's healing cancer, who's setting people free from drugs and alcohol, who is bringing forth deliverance from oppression and demonic possession. I serve a God who is still healing the sick and he's still raising the dead and he's still calling the lost out of darkness into the beautiful light that he's established. So instead of fixing my focus on what I see and what I feel, I'm going to fix my focus on what his word says. I'm going to think about what's true, what is the truth, his truth, the word of God, the promise, the power and the purpose of God. And I'm going to watch as I see his kingdom come and I see his will be done and I see the fulfillment of what he has said, what he's declared, what he's purposed, what he's promised. And when I do, my strength is renewed. Because I go into the place of prayer. I go into that time of prayer in my car, in the living room, in my office, when I'm at work, when I'm in the grocery store, whatever it is, when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel weary, when I feel all those things, and I begin giving all of that to God. Why? Because it's in that moment that I begin to experience my strength renewed. I don't give in to the hopelessness and the despair and the, and the, and the weariness and the heaviness that's there. I give my spiritual body the nourishment that it needs from heaven, and I live off the strength of His Word. My hope is in God. He is the one who's in control of my life. He's the one who has the final say. Number five this morning. Our souls are restored. I love this. In verse number four, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift their heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. A son is given and the government will rest on his shoulders. No one, this is, this is, this is the truth. This is the, this is the powerful truth and revelation of the word of God. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. This is the beautiful thing about living in relationship with the Lord and walking in fellowship with Him. The peace of God never ends. So the peace we just read about in Philippians chapter 4 that guards our hearts and our minds in God, that peace never ends. The peace of God carries on. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of His ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So our souls are restored. I love this. I, I, Psalm, Psalm 23 uh, is one of, my, one, of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite passages. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. God restores our souls. And the way that God does this, the way that God brings this about, is in what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He said, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. One of the biggest, one of the biggest struggles that we deal with, one of the biggest trials that we experience and that we walk through in this life, is picking up or carrying burdens that were never ours to carry. And this is, this is the thing. If we're not spending time in the presence of the Lord, if we're not spending time in the Word, if we're not putting our trust in Jesus, then what happens is we begin picking things up that God's never, never asked us to carry. You know what I'm talking about? Because the, the reality is, the truth is, is that God has come so that we would have our strength renewed and our souls restored. What happens in our journey, what happens in our relationship with the Lord is that we begin many times picking up things because of situations or circumstances or things that happen, and we begin carrying things that we, that we never should have carried. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus knows that this is not only a problem, but that it will be a problem in the future. And so he shares this powerful truth. He shares this powerful revelation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest for your souls. There's, it's one thing to be physically tired. It's another thing for your soul to be tired. You ever felt your soul tired, where you're drained, spiritually drained, exhausted from the battle, exhausted from the storms, exalted, exhausted from the, the difficulties of what you faced? It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to start carrying more than what we need to, right? You know, at first it's it's not that big of a deal, you know. There's, there's, there's just enough that we can... There's a lot of stuff in there. You know, there's just enough that we can carry. I'm not over my weight limit. I'm fine. For all of you that are worried, I'm okay. I'm not breaking any rules. If I do, my wife will give me the look and I'll put it down. You know, at first it's not that bad. You know, at first we, we pick something up, you know, and it's a worry. It's, it's a situation. Something in our marriage, something in our family, something with our kids, something with our finances something that's going on in the world, something that's happening, you know. And it doesn't seem like it's that big of an inconvenience. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal at first. Why? Because we weren't, we weren't already tired. 
Now, if your soul's already weary and your soul's already tired and you pick up another thing, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But at first, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a thing. But after a while of holding that burden, of carrying, of having that weight on your shoulders, of having that, that burden on your heart and that burden on your mind, if we're not taking that to the Lord in prayer and we're carrying that and it's consuming our thoughts and it's consuming our focus and our attention, it doesn't take long before it starts to get heavy. And we begin responding slower to the Lord. We begin responding slower to the things that happen and to the unexpected things that come up. And we're not ready for when the next burden, for when the next wave hits. Why? Because we're still carrying what we either A, should not have picked up, or B, should have already put down. Because Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. So this is why it's so important for us to spend time with the Lord every day, because we are going to face trials. We are going to face tribulations. We are going to face struggles. We are going to face hardships. We're going to go through difficulties. But those difficulties are not meant to become the, the adorning factor of our life that when we go through, it's what we're seen or recognized by or as. Why? Because God's not called us to live under that yoke of slavery or oppression. The rest of the world lives enslaved because they have not found Jesus to find freedom from sin. But when you and I have found freedom from sin and the freedom that God has given us, we're no longer yoked with the weights and with the pressures of this world, but now in the freedom and in the life of what God has established for us. So when we pick up something that we shouldn't have picked up, or when we're carrying something that we shouldn't have been carrying, we've got to take it to the altar. We've got to take it to the feet of Jesus in the secret place, in, in, in the church house, it doesn't matter, and lay it at his feet. Why? Because when I let those things go, the oppression of the enemy is no longer the driving factor in my life, and I'm now free to do what it is that God's called me to do. God restores our soul. Jesus breaks the yoke. As the church today, in this hour, in this moment, we have got to be free of everything that would yoke or enslave us to the point of being unavailable to what God is wanting to accomplish in and through His people. It's why Jesus, it's why Jesus taught us to pray in this daily prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. In that moment, I'm opening myself up to the revelation and the truth of what God has established. And then finally, lastly this morning, I'm called to trust the Lord and in trusting Him, not only does He renew my strength and restore but finally, lastly, God's promise remains. I love this. Verse number 7, His government and its peace will never end. He never ends. He is Alpha and Omega as the word says in Revelations, the beginning and the end. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. His, his word and his truth, his promises never fail. I love this. Austin Haley, you guys can go ahead and you can come. His word, his word tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 10, in, in verse number 23, uh, that, that his, his promise never fails, that his promise never It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. God can be trusted to keep his promise. And then he goes into 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, and this is the, you hear me quote this a lot, 
um, as our church, as for our church, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. This, this reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. What happens in our lives, what happens in our, in our moment of, of trust in the Lord is understanding that God's promise remains. Regardless of the trial, regardless of the season, regardless of the situation, his promise remains. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promise. He's faithful to his people. He never fails. So when my trust is in the Lord, he renews my strength. He restores my soul and his promise remains. Nothing can change the power or the promise of God. Romans chapter 8 clearly defines it. Nothing in or out of this world can separate us from the love of God.